So by now, I'm hoping that you've heard about the brand new PodCore subscription that Speech Therapy PD has rolled out. For $79 a month, you get over 175 hours of ASHA continuing education with 19 new episodes a month. That's fantastic. Well, they want to make sure that you also know we have a brand new coupon code. So the coupon code is F as in first, B as in bite, followed by the number 20, FB20. And that brand new coupon code will give you $20 off the PodCourse subscription. So you get 175 hours of continuing ed plus an average of 19 new hours a month, all for $59 a year. And we cover everything from early intervention to schools to adults to ethics. So be sure to type in F as in first, B as in bite, and then the number's 20. Enjoy your coupon, or as my kin folks say, enjoy that coupon. Hi folks, and welcome to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional a speech therapy podcast sponsored by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MS, CCC, SLP, CLC, the all things PEDS SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, here in Town, South Carolina and a guest lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically complex and fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light, hope, knowledge, and joy to the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate by way of a nerdy conversation, so there's plenty of laughter too. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding, ethics on how to run a private practice, pediatric dysphagia to clinical supervision, and all other topics in the world of pediatric speech pathology. Our goal is to bring evidence-based practice straight to you by interviewing subject matter experts to break down the communication barriers so that we can access the knowledge of their fields. Or, as a close friend says, to build the bridge. By bringing other professionals and experts in our field together, we hope to spark advocacy joy, and passion for continuing to grow and advance care for our little ones. Every fourth episode, I join in. I'm Erin Forward, MSP, CCC, SLP, the Yankee by way of Rochester, New York transplant who actually inspired this journey. I bring a different perspective, that of a newish clinician with experience in early intervention, pediatric acute care, and nonprofit pediatric outpatient settings. So sit back, relax, and watch out for all our squirrels and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. So imagine if the world of AAC, Speech Generating Devices for SLPs, were to meet the futuristic sci-fi world that we all fantasize about as kids. You know, where the world where like cars drive themselves, foods in the shape of a pill, and where we can all make a call on our futuristic phones with just like the blink of an eye. Well, y'all, we are starting 2021 off right because tonight's guest is none other than Lane Riles, MS, CCC, SLP. 
Regional Consultant with Control Bionics. And y'all, she is here today to talk about amazing advances in AAC tech. That means that for some of our patients, they can literally voice their wants and needs on a speech generating AAC device with a blink of an eye. <laughs> Sorry, I could hear bears saying that, so I had to like have the bear moment. My sweet friend Hillary from Chatterbugs LLC Speech Therapy located in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and y'all, they're amazing, so go check them out. She told me about Control Bionics and Lane, and honestly, it like blew my mind because y'all, this is the stuff that dreams are made from. You know the kiddo that you trialed eye gaze with and it just didn't work out and you felt completely deflated and frustrated? You had that pit in your stomach, that feeling of dread followed by the inevitable question of, okay, that was like my last hope. Where do we go from here? Well, Lane and Control Bionics, they, they're it. So I figured if we're going to talk about the intersection of sci-fi meets the world of speech therapy, then there was no better time to do it on the first episode of First Bite at the first of the year. So y'all, happy 2021. And Lane, thank you for coming on. And hi. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so okay. So did so did um Hillary tell you the backstory? No, I have not heard okay. the backstory. She just introduced. She said, "Look, I think you guys as SLPs need to meet, and you're both incredible. Please meet, introduce us, and the rest is history." Now, I guess. <laughs> All right. So like, this is she's so sweet. This is what really happened. Um, she sent me an Instagram message and like. When she sends an Instagram message, like it's going to be good. It's going to have like a good quote or something uplifting or something really, really funny. And so I saw the message pop up and I was like, ah. you know, I ran to the bathroom, tinkled and spent like five seconds on my phone while like the boys were like wrapping up breakfast so that we could run out the door to go to school. And she sent me this message and I hid in the bathroom to like rapid fire text her back. I'm like, what is this? Wait, what is this? <laughs> And so like, we were almost late for school because I was having a mommy hide in the bathroom moment to figure out about you guys. But like, sometimes as moms, we have to do that, right? Oh, absolutely. Spent many times squirreled away somewhere for a moment. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's the, um, the literal patty humor behind this. So, <laughs> Uh, I got the kids to school and then called her and I was like, all right, you got to give me the details because this is more than like a text message. And she was like, Michelle, remember that kid you were telling me about that you did the eye gaze on, but like, he just couldn't do it. And I was like, yeah, and I'm stuck and I don't know what to do. She goes, this is it. And so that's, that's what happened. And I was just in, in awe. So, okay. So first tell me like, how how did you become a speech pathologist? And then how did you become a speech pathologist with an AAC company? So like, give me the backstory here. Sure. So I um, originally thought I wanted to be a pediatrician, like all growing up, I was going to be a pediatrician. Well, I'm not really the student for that, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so then it was, okay, well, maybe I'll do physical therapy, but do pediatric physical therapy. So started looking into that as I'm going through high school and starting my college career. 
And I, you know, I said, oh gosh, I have to get a master's degree to be a physical therapist, which now you have to have your doctorate. But I was like, I don't know if I want to do all of that. I don't know. Um, and so through a family friend of ours who was a physical therapist, I got introduced to an, a speech language pathologist. So I shadowed her for a little while and I was like, this is incredible. I've always been intrigued by the brain and all its ins and outs. And so it just kind of felt right then to talk about how the brain works with language and all of that. So then started pursuing becoming a speech language pathologist and found out, oh, guess what? You have to have a master's degree for that too. <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it. By that point, I was hooked and it was totally worth it. So you just had to find the right thing to put yourself into poverty for. Like that's, that's, that's right. <laughs> yes. When, when I hear like SLP to be students and they're like, but it's so much debt. I'm like, dude, it's so much debt temporarily. And it's so worth it because you get to help with so much healing on the other end. So Absolutely. like, I'm in there. Yes. Okay. So how did you get hooked into AAC? Because I gotta be honest, I... I probably dragged my feet on this part longer because I was so afraid of it. And mm -hmm. it wasn't when Dr. Carol Page, like with the South Carolina Assistive Technology Office, um, that was when it became less fearful because she, she she's was incredible. Like, yes, she's like a beacon, like a lighthouse, right? And I have to tell you, I went and listened to both episodes of her on First Bite. <laughs> because she's incredible yes I always when when she starts talking I always I just it renders me mute and I use so many like and ums and she never uses fillers while she's doing <laughs> like, how do you do that because there's a lot of a lot of edits in order to make me sound like an adult <laughs> but like <laughs> to edit her but yes yes she very very much is y'all we've had um Dr. Carol on twice, and I think I might have a sweet doctor for the spring too, but uh, I would recommend going back and talking about that because she and I have talked about IVs because she was the first person to kind of blow my mind that even for some of your kiddos with a cortical vision impairment, you might still be able to do IVs. And, and I've had the kids that that was successful, but like here lately, I've had a couple of kiddos that, wait, we sidetracked. How did you get into AAC? So I, like you, I know for me, when I was in undergrad and grad school, we didn't have a whole lot of AAC introduction or even really even introduction, but definitely not anything in depth. Um, so I have pretty much done everything you can do as an SLP. I've done schools, I've done pediatric clinics, I've done home health, I've done skilled nursing facilities. So pretty much done it if you can do it as an SLP. But so as I was working, my first kiddo really was in a pediatric private clinic. And I was like, there's just got to be some other way for him to communicate his wants and needs and just to communicate with his family. Um, so he's actually my first introduction. And we were able to get a device for him. So yeah, that was my first. And then kind of as we progressed, then I started moving into adults doing home health and some clients with ALS and um, aphasia, uh, a guy that I had 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 a stroke and was really just looking for a way to communicate with his family, especially. He had really 
needed from the North to be closer to his family and just was really wanting that communication piece with his family. Um, so we were able to get him a device as well. So that was kind of my introduction to AAC. It's still so much learning for me. Every day I'm learning new things about AAC, which is just incredible. And that's like, you know, talking about Dr. Page, I just listen to her and just try and absorb all of her knowledge and just intelligence and just, I mean, mind blowing concepts and knowing and understanding that she has. So, and my big thing is it's always changing. Yes, it is. And, and I'm old enough to admit that like when I came along, like we thought Hex was where is that? Like, yeah. Cringe. Like I can't tell you the amount of time that I spent cutting, laminating, yes. gluing, crowing like that was my life for the first couple years of my profession and and then I realized like oh my god I'm doing this all wrong for so many reasons for muscle memory for it's not core vocab and and it was hard to admit that I it was hard to admit that I had failed but I had man I had gone down in a flame of glory trying to do my best but it wasn't until I learned more that what I had been doing could be doing it better I could be doing it better so I, I do I'll give myself grace I mean you know life's a learning process but then technology keeps changing so we go from cut and paste velcro to you know now we've got like iPad technology but and then we have eye gaze and head tracker but that's still not enough. And then you guys roll out with, what is it? Is it a neural nod? Node? Neuro node. Mm-hmm. It's the neuro node. Okay. What is that? How does it work? Fill me in. Tell me all the things. Cause I'm so, I want to know. It's just incredible. I have to tell you how I found control bionics. I was uh, working with a, a, a gentleman in home health with um, Parkinson's and limited movement from about the neck down and we tried eye gaze. I think, you know, we tend to say, oh, we need access to an AAC device. Eye gaze is the solution. And just like you were talking about with some of your kiddos, it's just not a solution for everyone, unfortunately, as much as it would be amazing if it were, it's just not. Um, He trialed an eye gaze system and it was just really difficult for him. So I started Googling, I'm like, alternate access to AAC. I'm like, there's got to be something out there I mean, like you said, technology is changing so rapidly. There's got to be something available for him to access his communication device. Um, Enter control bionics. It was just wild. So I start researching and looking at their website. And I was like, I really want to be a part of this. This is incredible technology. So enter the neural node. All right, say it again. Calling it the nod. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Neural node. Okay. Neural node. Yep. Yes, because for like the last six weeks in my head, I've been calling it the neural nod. So like, okay, neural <laughs> got it. Okay. <laughs> like a node. You, you wear your node. Yep. It's a neuro node. Neural node. So, okay. Got So it is taking um, an EMG signal. So an impulse from your brain to a specified muscle group to then use that impulse as an activation of the wearable switch um, to access your communication device. Every time I say it out loud, I'm like, how is that even a thing? And thank God for the (laughs) brains at Control Bionics, James Shorey, our chief technical officer, and uh, Peter Ford, who they kind of created this. Um, They actually started 
with a device for neuroreeducation, um, saying, well, you can still use a neurological impulse from the brain to a muscle group, even if it's not a functional um, muscle group necessarily. It has to be intentional, but it doesn't have to be functional. So they were doing some retraining of those muscle groups. Was it for like a PT perspective? Like I'm, I'm thinking like- was, Yeah, was it- so like biofeedback type, yes. Yeah. Yep, neuro retraining. Um, it was actually the neuro re-educator, I think was the original title. And then they kind of went from there and said, well, how can we use this then to access a communication device. So that's how the Neuronode came to be. Okay, so the way you say it, it sounds bloody impossible, but then I've (laughs) seen videos of it being done. So basically, in Michelle land, this is how I interpret it. It looks kind of like a sticky, but like a, a plastic sticky that goes on a body part and it, the computer program scans the targeted word and like, I guess it audibly says them. And then when it's the right target, that when the person has a signal, when the person has a reaction to it, it picks up that signal and bam, now they can say the word. Is that a very, very layman's term? Yeah. So what I usually say is um, when you're using it, so NeuroNode Trilogy is the original AAC speech generating device that Control Bionics um, kind of produced um, in conjunction with the NeuroNode. So what I always say is when you're using, there are three users built in, so you could do um, traditional eye gaze, you could do switch scanning, or you could do the Trilogy user, which your eyes are your mouse, and then the NeuroNode is your click. Um, so essentially you're looking, yeah, it's incredible. You're looking at your device, um, whatever grid set you're on for your communication, you're looking with your eyes. So you'll see tracking as like a mouse. And then when you see what you would like to select, you make your movement with the neuro node and through the power of EMG and or 3d spatial settings, um, it makes your selection or you make your selection rather. And it just, where do you where do you attach the node to? So it depends on what type of um, setting you're using. So if you're using the EMG settings, you can attach it to any really any part of your body. That's kind of one thing that's nice about it is you can change the location of the neuro node itself um, in order to make sure that you're targeting. I mean, we have some users who have only like facial movements left. If they can do an eyebrow raise or a smile, things like that, you can use electrodes on those muscle groups attached to the neuro node, which is then worn on your person. It seems really complicated when you're just talking about it. I wish you guys could see it. Yeah, it just depends on what muscle group you're targeting. And it doesn't have to be a functional movement as much as it has to be an intentional movement. I always like to share a story about a guy, a user um, that I met who he said, I can still flex my bicep. And we could not see him flexing his bicep, but we were able to capture that signal to then have him use that flexing of his bicep that we could not see visibly to access his device. So he used the combination. So he was using his eyes as his mouse and then the flexing of his bicep to then select. That's crazy. It's it's incredible. Every time, I feel like every time I meet someone else and and we just see, hey, is this going to be a good fit for you? 
my mind just gets blown over and over again because it's like, oh my gosh, it's incredible the amount of access that 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 we're able to give people. Yeah, because that's well, and that's that's a piece that I have struggled with conceptualizing access methodologies because I know that there's like switch access, but he's the mm -hmm. um, elective skisha and he's a huge AAC device guy. And like, we've, we've had him on in the past talking about stuff. And, and when he starts talking about like different switch accesses and then it, the way he describes them, I'm like, you have surpassed my knowledge friend. I yeah. don't understand how there's so many different options. And I think it, it was either him or Carol. Somebody was on, they were telling us about how there were studies where some individuals had like a switch access and they were using like their knees in order to access their communication device, but they were, they actually did damage to their hip because right. they were accessing with their knees, like hitting, turning it out that they wore down part of their like sits bone for lack of a better phrase. And I was like, I would never have thought of that being a byproduct of a communication device is like wearing out your hip. Right. So my next thought is, wait, what is your website? Because y'all have videos of this on your website. What is your website? We do. It's controlbionics.com. And we have um, a Facebook page as well. And then our YouTube channel has lots of videos there too. Excellent. Are you guys on Instagram? Yes. Um, we have our main Instagram, which is Control Bionics. And then some of our consultants have their individual pages. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. All right. Because this is for my peds patients. What I struggle with are my little ones that have non-traumatic or traumatic brain injuries, like non-accidental traumas that have um, a lot of global physical delays. Mm-hmm. And or and I'm trying increased tone, like mm -hmm. P or and so we may, you know, we've verbal speech is so delayed and or they have a trach and they can't actually vocalize over the trach because you know they're not safe yet for like a passing mirror valve trial or like a cap trial, right? And so, but you you can you know that this child's trying to convey their opinion to you, right? Yep. And Communication Bill of Rights, folks, we have to be able to have the discussion or, or give the child and or adult, but in this particular case, like the child the right to speak. And so the, the particular case that Hillary and I were talking about, the child has um, mixed CP. So we have, spas, we have spasticity as well as low tone. Mm -hmm. The, the little ones in and out constantly for Botox injections here. And then you add in like a seizure disorder and then HIE with a shunt and like blah, 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 blah. Like the case just, it's like, it gets compounded and compounded. And my worry was we attempted switch access with our hands. Um, however, we lost mobility with our hands and we didn't have the um, mobility through our arms in order to like, like make a gross gesture in order yeah. to access it. And we tried eye gaze and eye gaze worked intermittently, but because of the cortical vision impairment, if the screen was too light, then the child would close their eyes because it would upset them. Right. Sure. Also have to worry about like light inducing seizures. So does this, 
can this work for a child with a cortical vision impairment? Like, do you have to have the eye gaze piece on or can it work for, is there another, what's the other access point you were talking about? So yes, you can, but you do not have to use that. Again, that's kind of one thing that's nice is um, the three users are built in. Um, so if you have a user who you felt like, yeah, eye gaze is really not going to be an option, then you could look at the switch scanning. So then the neuro node is still your wearable switch, but you're going to then be using the neuro node to access the switch scanning that way. So you then your movement would start the scan, it would scan and you can set it up to where you have that auditory feedback where it's telling you, you know, row one, and then you know what's on row one. And then it can go through and label each particular icon for you. Once you say, okay, I know my choice is in row one, then it's going to read out like more um, mom or whatever, however you have the grid set or whatever grid set you're using. And then you make your movement again, then to select, to make your selection. So yeah, you could absolutely use that. That's amazing. I know. I know. Like I said, every time I just, my mind is blown every time that I, I think this could open so many doors for so many people in terms of access. It's just incredible. Okay. All right. So then what about when you say grid sets, like when this is another, and this is a fault of my own stars. When I think about AAC devices, I inevitably think about the specific language program. Mm -hmm. And I have a hard time training my brain to go from the language program to like, it's it, 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 like that language program can be put in like a different device. It's not just the language program. It's, am I translating that right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So like, am I restricted to like, are there set language programs that you're doing it with? Like what is translate grid set for me, please, ma'am? Yes, ma'am. So um, typically the communication software that we use on our devices is grid three from Smartbox. Their website is thinksmartbox.com. But so typically we're using grid three. However, with our Trilogy device, you could use any Windows compatible communication software. So I know, um, I don't think this is the particular set you're talking about, but I know some people who have um, been using a particular communication software for a long time, and they don't want to be learning then a new communication software. Yeah. As long as it's Windows compatible, then we can put it on our device instead of Grid 3. Okay. Okay. I like how you worded that. Well done. Very <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. Because that's, that's always, um, so language software, is that the word that I'm looking for that I need to learn better? Language software. Typically, I just refer to it as our communication software. Yeah. Or language software. Yeah, I think either one of those are appropriate. Yes, beautiful. Okay, I, I appreciate that. Because I worry about like, I don't want to get in a position where we've gotten something that's like, great access, but then the um, choices aren't like core compatible or, you know what I mean? That right. grow into it. Do we have the ability for growth? Those kind of pieces also are worrisome, especially with transitioning between home and school. Yeah, you know? for sure. For sure. Well, and I think that's one thing that's so important is that we do talk about and figure out, okay, as a team, including parents, user SLP, school team, whomever, like, okay, well, so what is the best 
software that we want to choose, language system, what, what is it that we're looking for? What would, do we want them to be able to do with their um, device? I think that's a huge part of it that I think sometimes I know for me as an SLP, I'm like, okay, well, here's the solution. I'm the language person. I know that this is going to be a good fit for them sometimes maybe without necessarily consulting with my colleagues and the family or the user, you know, tend to rush into, oh, here, I know how to solve your problem. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I, I jump the gun and go in with like my pre-chosen favorite vocab. Right. It's easy to do. Um, somebody was talking about implicit bias and, and in relation to like AAC especially. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's so true. I think we tend to defer to what we feel most comfortable with. My brilliant friend and colleague, uh, Jill Adlin, who she's our consultant for like um, Tennessee and North Carolina, she said, I always encourage whomever, whether that be parent or SLP or to always go in and use whatever device, software, access that you're asking your client or patient to be using for 24 hours. Try it out. See what it feels like. Is it intuitive? Are they going to be able to access it? She does. She, and she does at she actually uses for 24 hours, whatever she used to do, AT in Tennessee and in North Carolina. So she is an advocate and she really does do that. She will use it for 24 hours. That's amazing. And I was like, you're so brilliant because, I mean, I never thought about that, but you know, it's like you said, I tend to veer towards what I'm most comfortable with. I had never been exposed to grid three before working for Control Bionics. And now, I mean, I feel like, I, I think each communication software has its own pros and maybe cons even. I mean, everything is going to have, there's not going to be one solution for one person, for each person. And I think we need to be looking at that. And I don't know where I heard this, but somebody said, well, you don't know what you don't know until you know. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so true. And, you know, I think for us as SLPs, we're maybe naturally inclined to kind of just be continuing to learn and, and inquisitive in that way. Um, but I think sometimes we as humans maybe get stuck in that comfort, like, oh, but I know this, this is familiar to me, but it might not be the best fit for our clients and patients. So I'm trying to remind myself of that. Yes. Okay. I'm guilty of that. I have implicit bias. I had forgotten that I've heard of that word. I, but that is absolutely 100% it. I have implicit bias when it comes to the vocabulary that I like to work with and the communication system that I recommend historically, because I know what I know and I like what I like and trying to do something different makes me feel uncomfortable and icky. And yeah. when I'm time crunch working with the patient, because let's face it, when we go out to that patient's house, like you're driving there, you've got like maybe an hour and then God help you if the little one's getting seizure medications and uh, you've, your window is shorter because you've only got such amount of time before, you know, the, the meds snow the little guy and, and you're, you're on like a time crunch window yep. because that's just inevitably what happens. There's, I've had a couple of kiddos that, you know, we're trying to fit therapy around their med cycle. And that is really, can it's hard, right? Yeah. One of the 
One of the words that I absolutely forgot to add for the longest period of time was no or stop. Right. That negation. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Because as, as a therapist pre-children, I mean, you don't want the child to tell, you no. you have implicit bias to get the child to comply with whatever charge. <laughs> That's right. Your session, right. Like we're going to say one, two, three, four, and do all these things. But I mean, the kids like, yeah, this is not fun. Um, Goose Tanger Dawson on the way to school this morning, we were running late because honestly, we got busy doing a puzzle at the kitchen table and having way too much fun. Which is an awesome reason to be late. I, it was, it's the national parks puzzle and it was a 500 piece puzzle, but like, I mean, I'm a fun mom. It was this, we're late for school. And they were like, why are you late? I was like, oh, we were working on an activity in the house. And I didn't say we were playing puzzles. <laughs> I don't think you need to justify that personally, but. No, it's, it's really cute. <laughs> Yay. T-shirts. But like we got there and he's like, mom, this sucks. We're late. And I was like, you cannot say this sucks. And he's like, <laughs> But you did. And I was like, I can vote. I can say what I want. I have to vote. But like, I I mean, I can't let my eight-year-old go to second grade and say this sucks. I mean, he probably does, but like case for all. But like children, our little ones, they have the ability to have negations and to be as colorful and use yep. cheeky vocabulary if they so choose. But as the therapist, my implicit bias is that I'm, you know, there that the child should not use that kind of language, much less tell me no. And it's really hard to explain that to families. Like the kid has the right to say no. The kid has the right to say bugger off. And Guess what? It's developmentally appropriate, folks, even if we don't want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you have daughters? Because I feel like you might. <laughs> well, I have one of each. I have a 14-year-old son and a, an 11, almost 12-year-old daughter. So yes. Uh, yeah. I, I wish you strong coffee with the 11-year-old and maybe something stronger. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yes. But that's, but that's part of it. Oh, I, I do. I, okay. So later this month, we have a lovely friend of mine, um, Dr. Rebecca Wadaher, and I work together at FMU. And her, her PhD research project was implementation science. Interesting. Which is her big field of like everything. It's like a, a whole field of science in and of itself. But it was like basically how implementation science correlates to the world of speech therapy. And I feel like access point methodology and vocab, like selection of iconography and targeted vocab like I can feel the implementation science piece behind this and yeah. how to teach reteach review and then do it all over again to get family and even patient comfortable so like what because this is like such new cutting-edge technology and like EMG stuff like how how does that play out like, what is, is there like, are there recommendations on how to teach it, reteach it? What does that look like? Well, I mean, a lot of it is just, I mean, it's just an additional access method to a communication device. So a lot of what you're doing in AAC across the board is going to translate um, in terms of kind of learning what 
what does the neuro node do? How do I set it up? How does it, what, what? Like learning that whole piece of it. Yeah, I mean, just using it in the controller app, I think um, a lot of times is the kind of training initially. Mm-hmm. What is the app? What do you mean? Is that like the... So there is a special, yeah, there's a special app that comes with the neuro node. That's, uh, we have people ask all the time, well, I have an iPad, so can I connect? Because it does connect by Bluetooth, but they say, well, I have an iPad, can I connect the neuro node? Well, no, not at this point, because you have to have the controller application on the device um, so that it can interact with the communication software and you can use it to access the device. So it's essentially a graph where you see your movement and there are thresholds. So there's a signal off threshold or rest threshold, I like to call it, um, where you have to be like at or below that with your movement. So a lot of times that's kind of training and retraining to quiet your body, be still, rest, rest, rest. Um, That's a huge part of it, I think, especially for some of our um, patients with like CP and things like that, because like you were talking about earlier, I think sometimes they get into that hypertonia and then it's just like frozen. So then you've lost your access to your device, to your communication, because you're then almost stuck in that position. Some of that is is training and going through, and that's where we pull in our OT and PT friends as well, who say, you know, this is the training piece that we're working on. So let's, we're quieting our bodies, we're resting. So then we can then make our movement, whatever that signal may be, to then activate the switch, to signal on, so you can make your selection. That's cool. Yeah, it is. And there's, you know, we have auditory feedback and then you have the visual feedback of the graph itself. Sometimes I have clients who are like, I just want to look at the graph. Like, okay, I'm watching and I'm looking and I'm making my movement and you can see the movement there in the graph. And and a lot of times, especially in the beginning, it's like, what? That's incredible. That's me. Oh, I'm moving. I'm making the graph move. You know, it's just kind of neat to see. And that's so, I would, I would think that for some of these, this is so empowering. Yes. Oh, absolutely. One of, one of my mom's very good friends, um, uh, Miss Didi, she has ALS mm-hmm. and like everybody happened very, very quick and very, very sudden. And, um, they, uh, worked with them VCU to get her set with a communication device and um, trained on eye gaze. And I just, I just think how this could have helped as well, right? Like as, yeah. as, an, as another option and having that biofeedback of visually looking at the graft and EMST research that they do, like, when you get the biofeedback of like, you know, you're, you're breathing and you're improving and you're holding and, and that kind of stuff like that, that's seeing the patient's face come alive. That's yeah. very, very, yeah. Well, and you know, for our patients with ALS, because cognition is not impacted, I mean, they, so many times cognitively they are there they have so much to communicate with their families but their bodies are just working against them so hard that to be able to offer this as a potential access method is again to me incredible i just feel so privileged to be a part of that 
um, you know, I, I got into being an SLP because I wanted to help people as cliche as that maybe sounds. Um, it's true. And to be able to see, like you said, a client's face light up when they're able to communicate with a loved one that they haven't been able to communicate with using their eyes and then a muscle movement that may not be visible is just incredible. I feel like that's probably my filler incredible, but I really, I just can't, I can't find another word to describe it, honestly, because it's just so mind blowing. And to be able to see extraordinary, people, it, extraordinary. Oh, I like that. I'm going to use that now. <laughs> yes. No, but it really, but it really is. I mean, at the, at the, at the core of this, we're giving people, we're giving individuals their voice and to be able to do so when they physically have such little, I mean, that's, that's mind blowing. And, and so here's, here's one of my frustrations and this is just me sharing it because often when you're working with an adult that has, is in need of an AAC device, often the challenge is it's different than with peds because with peds we're having to teach language in addition to how to access a device and that they it's but with adults they've had language and then they've lost it for the most part and so i feel like there's a different fundamental building block and component to it with peds right certainly and, and that's and and honestly i hate grammar like we're <laughs> not friends and spelling is difficult. And I still regularly ask my husband the difference between lose, was it L-O-O-S-E and L-O-S-E? I cannot make those two words stick in my head as to how to win. And like, he enjoys teasing me about this, but words are hard. Okay. That's but, right. Even for speech language pathologists, come on. Yes, exactly. But with our tiny humans, when it comes the point that a child is doing two and three word combos that's typically for me when I gracefully bow out because if I can get a kid to do two and three word combos on an AAC device then they need to see the language specialist in my opinion because and I Monica sweet Monica over in the next school district over I love that woman I respect that woman I want to spend an afternoon in that lady's head because that woman can she just knows like I feel like all I do is lay the foundation with an AAC device and then she just makes conversations happen right and that is holy cats so I'm gonna have to meet her yes I need I need to introduce y'all because but that's a unique skill set and Mm -hmm. I feel like within the world of am I imagining that in the world of AAC that there's even like a like a is that common? Is that normal? That like some people are just like language specialists and then there's like, yo, I we started it. Because I feel like that's my pecking order. I'm a starter. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I really do. I think it's with anything. I mean, I, I feel like we as SLPs are supposed to know everything it feels like sometimes, which can be overwhelming. And I know we always talk about, you know, board certification in specific areas and finding a niche and things like that. Um, but I do think that it takes all of us, you know, having our, um, our division of labor almost um, and being, having those areas that are of more, I guess, specialization than others. You know what I mean? Like, I think everybody has our place in the world of AAC 
because there, we do need the people who are the starters, who are the ones who are willing to take that first leap into it. Like, hey, let me introduce you to this device. Let me introduce you to how you can access it and how we're starting with these simple pictures, you know, and going from there and building on that. So yeah, I, I totally think there are people who have their each little special kind of um, area of expertise. I like that. I'm, I'm henceforth dubbing myself the AAC starter. I, I love that. it. That, that's that's a good. <laughs> because listen, a- there aren't many people who are willing to just start, which so that makes it, that's huge. It's, it's terrifyingly scary. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So with, with the neural, oh, bloody goodness, neural nod. No, see, I keep calling it the nod. So I'm going to, I'm trying to switch to my <laughs> It's a learned error pattern. Yes, yes. With with the neural node, you said we can. Um, it can be eligible for other ones, but it's um, primarily based on the grid three. Can you talk to us a little bit about the science behind the grid three and what that tech that communication system looks like? Sure. So, um, grid three is um, like I said from Smartbox, and they have developed a communication software um, where they have different grid sets built in. So there are symbol-based grid sets, and then there are text-based. You know, we were talking about our um, adult clients and even some of our kids as they get older who are um, literate and can be using a text-based grid set. um, They do have that available. Um, One thing that I do love about grid three, and it's not necessarily grid three, it's Nancy Inman, who is incredible. Um, with all of her word power grid sets. So that is included in grid three. Nancy Inman with her word power. I I tend to talk about implicit bias. I tend to gravitate towards word power. Again, it was not something that I was overly um, familiar with before I started doing this, but it's just so intuitive the way she has all of it developed and set up. And it's just incredible with word prediction um, and punctuation, so you're you're kind of progressing through, like you were saying, um, your friend who's make, building on that language. So all of that is just built into word power. So actually, one of our consultants used to work, and she she knows she's personal friends with Nancy Inman, and so she kind of introduced me to it, and I was like, where has this been all my life? This is incredible in terms of just her, her SLP brain making language accessible to everyone. Um, And one thing that's kind of nice about the word power is that it is available on across device companies and devices. So. Okay. I need, I need, I need somebody to introduce me to her because I would love to have her. I guess. Oh yeah. You'd like, can you give me a soft intro? Isn't that the technical term for it? Like a soft intro? <laughs> yes, it would be my honor. Um, you know, she actually joined one of our um, Facebook Live, which ended up not being live because technology. Um, but it's recorded on our Facebook page. And just to like sit like Dr. Page, I'm just sitting there watching her talk about word power and the development of it and how it's progressing in her mind. I'm just in awe. Like, have to like come to because I'm just so entranced by all of the information that she has to share. And she so willingly shares and gives and just 
she's an expert and doesn't even realize it. You know, those people who are like just incredible and they don't know they're incredible. That's Nancy and me. Yeah. That's that. Yes. But those are the people that they genuinely just want to put good in the world. Yes. Yep. Okay. Have you, it always makes me think of Batman because there's, what is it? Bane? He's the crazy character yeah. that just crazy in the world like we need people like that to offset the like the banes of the world but yes that's not that the boys have really been into um dc comics lately but our marvel universe household has um temporarily bridged over to dc nice (laughs) my son would be so impressed he loves them all yes hey i know my marvel versus dc for the most part that's all Uh, oh my goodness oh yes okay all right so I am not I've only used grid three with like one other no two other patients so like it's it was it was a hard transition for me to to learn a new communication system Mm -hmm. and it's but y'all that's that's what it's about we have to be able to step away from our implicit bias and move in and try for the patients, right? And okay, my other question, okay, I have two questions. One, and this probably feels like retrospectively like a dumb moment, but um, what about, uh, so with the spasticity and the muscles, or what if an essential tremor, because I have, personally, I have a little bit of an essential tremor. I think my dad and his gene pool for this, but for our patients that have essential tremors or seizures or Will that, do you have to recalibrate after one of those events or does it like once the moment's passed, will it just return to baseline with access? So it just depends. That's where we're going to have to go in for each user and kind of figure out and see, okay, so is it going to be something that's a consistent, like if it is like a fasciculation or a tremor or something like that, that's going to be not necessarily standard, but you can figure out what your intentional movement is going to be. So even if you have a tremor, let's say of your arm from side to side, but if you can then make like raise your wrist enough, um, you could use that as your switch activation. So you can go in, so in 3D spatial. So there are two modes backtrack let me backtrack two modes so there's the emg and then there's 3d spatial so with 3d spatial there's a built-in accelerometer into the neuro node so you're figuring out you have it's very math based but for a non-math person it can be overwhelming at first but then once you kind of I'm, like i'm hanging with you and i'm i'm not a math person but i'm i'm loving how you switching from technical to non-technical so you've got me we're good You're okay good. good 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 so it's um actually taking the movement from the x y and z planes and so you're just determining then okay what movement is it that's intentional that's the one we're going to highlight and we're going to make the others kind of move away so we know that that particular movement is our switch activation again i wish you guys could see it because it makes more sense that way but it's just incredible to me that you can, with this little plastic disc dome thingy, you can take it and say, okay, well, this is my movement, not these other movements that are happening, but this movement, and that's going to be my selection for my device. <sighs> I, just, I know. I, it gives me, no, it, 
I, it's, it's a lot, but the fact that a seizure disorder alone does not negate the potential for access is optimistic and joyful because one of my big concerns with eye gaze is having to do the constant recalibration. Sure. And that's, that's been very, that's a drawback for some of my little ones when they're starting to get more mobile. Yeah. And your colleague's advice of try it for 24 hours. Like that's, I give that advice when I want somebody to try, like when I'm preaching why you, the child needs to learn to feed themselves as opposed to having the food placed in their mouth. And I'm like, no, you have your partner feed you and then let me know how that feels (laughs) like sport night afterwards. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Right. Because you don't know where the boldness is going, but the recommendation of, you know, I've, I've started telling the parents, well, I need you to try the eye gaze device because it's fatiguing. Like it's- I'm a terrible eye gaze user. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to be honest and put it out there. My eyes start hurting. I start getting a headache. Um, I can't do dwell something about, I don't know if I have like generalized anxiety disorder or something, but when that dwell timer is going, I just cannot, I cannot. So I either revert to blink or thank goodness for the neuro node, because then I'm using that as my selection. Yeah, no, no. I mean, heavens to Betsy's, I had to get my readers just so that I could like read the questions to ask you, darling. (laughs) My eyes were hurting. My eyes were hurting, scrunching, looking at the, at the computer screen. Also, I'm absolutely loving the, um, the blue light tech now, like this thing, because I really, it's helping me with, yes, but oh oh my goodness. Okay. All right. So we have, we have a few minutes left, but um, before we switch to questions and I feel like there will be um, questions. Well, okay. Before we go there, I do have a question. Does, is this covered by insurance? I know that this is like relatively new-ish. Like, wait, how old is it? So the Neurono Trilogy was kind of presented at ATIA in 2019. Wait, translate ATIA for folks that don't know what that is. Oh, sorry. Assistive Technology Industry Association. Um, They have a conference at the end of January each year. It was, or it will be virtual this year. Thank you, COVID, for one more thing. Um, But so, yes, so that's what that is. Okay. Okay. A conference, all things assistive technology. It's incredible. I was very lucky to be able to be a part of that last year. Just there's just so many things out there allowing people to access technology and to be able to kind of level the playing field, you know, in terms of access. Level the playing field. I like that analogy. Well stated. Yes. Okay. All right. So it came out and you said 2017. 19, 2019, I think is when. Okay. When it was debuted, it made its debut. Yes. 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 Okay. So is it covered by insurance? It is. It's, you know, it depends on each individual uh, insurance policy, but yes, it's a case by case basis, but yes, a one-time funding application. Our funding team is incredible. They work their high knees off trying to make sure that these devices are funded for our clients, Medicaid and Medicare. Um, We've actually just partnered with another DME um, company who is uh, connected with Medicaid so that we can then also 
be there they're technically our distributor but so then we can yes offer that to be paid for through medicaid um so it's dme's durable medical equipment and and sorry no 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 that's that's okay durable medical equipment falls in the um uh, aac falls under that along with like a stander a gait trainer or like disposable medical like diapers for when they're past a certain age those kind of things those are all like medical equipment supplies so just as a when i first heard dme i never understood and like the ot's throw that word around as if like everybody yeah. is and i'm like what are they talking about and finally like, like I, googling dme yeah don't google dme it turns out that <laughs> DME, it can go to not good places as everybody <laughs> rushes to their phone to Google DME. Yeah, that's uh, that's like one time my mom, they were looking for new furniture and she um started Googling this particular furniture company and she was like, oh no, those search results were just not good and not what she was looking for. <laughs> I'm gonna behave myself. It is only January here, people. Like we. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, so then talk to me about. Okay, so how can you give me a case example? Like walk me through a case on on how this made the difference and this was the 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 right selection. Sure. Um, I think probably the one that comes to mind for me most of the time is like. Yes, I, it's just incredible. Um, this particular kiddo had been using an eye gaze system since 18 months of age um, oh, wow. with another company. Yeah, it, just incredible. The family is incredible. This kiddo is incredible. Um, but so he had been using a, an eye gaze system for a very long time. Um, he's seven now. To introduce him to the NeuroNode, he was using electrodes on his thumb. So he has... Um, very limited movement remaining. And so he uses his thumb to then make his selections. So he has electrodes on his on his thumb. So he uses his eyes and his mouth and then his movement of his thumb to make his selections with the neuro node. And he's using the device, um, his mom said, you know, he's using this device more than he had even used the eye gaze alone um, in terms of school. He's such a smart kiddo. He's learning to read and doing all the things that the other first graders are doing through his device with this access method. Just incredible. There, that's where I feel like I trans, like that's to me when it's my time out because I don't, I don't know the, I don't know the language that is necessary for literacy acquisition. If I'm saying that correctly sure like once they get once you know, it gets to the point where they're like using the device to learn I feel it of that nature not like their colors or their numbers but I mean to actually learn like states and stuff like that like I'm out that's that so <laughs> surpasses my skill set but I'm comfortable with admitting that I'm comfortable with yeah. saying look I know what I do and I think I do an okay job with it but let me introduce you to the person that can take you to that next level. And that Aaron and I have talked about like recognizing our own unique scope of practices. And that's part of it. Like recognizing when, when, when I am no longer what's in that child's best interest. And 
and that. But I am so in awe of the people that do do that. So yay, yay for them. <laughs> well, absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing though, is for us to realize that, hey, this is not my area, but I know someone who it is their area, or I'm going to find somebody who that is their area to refer you to because yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, how many SLPs would say, well, feeding is not my thing. And so then we would be turning to you. So yeah, I think it takes all, it takes all of us. It does. And then I would immediately start by making you be fed by somebody. <laughs> so, that's, uh, oh my gosh. Okay. All right. No, that's it. That's, I mean, you need to be experiencing that. So yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, this is, this is so futuristic and just amazing you guys i would seriously go check out their their facebook lives and and check out their instagram account and it's it's so uplifting with everything that occurred last year and is still going on because we're not out of it yet to have this level of hope for our children for even for our adults but I mean like you know we, we treat the tiny version here on um on first bite but to have to have this level of hope is just it's what we need it's joyful and we're saving babies today that we didn't save five ten years ago and to be able to give them a functional voice and a functional way to say bugger off and no <laughs> yep Huzzah. Okay. All right. So again, before we, before we switch over to questions, where can folks go to follow you? Um, so we can be found on controlbionics.com, C-O-N-T-R-O-L-B-I-O-N-I-C-S.com. Um, on Instagram, also Control Bionics. My personal Instagram, which I have to admit I'm not the best Instagrammer, is Control Bionics underscore Southeast. I will tell you our consultant in Florida is incredible with her Instagram. So that's Control Bionics underscore Florida. Um, yeah, you can find us all there. Nice. I, I will, I, I thought I found you perfectly well on yours. So don't, don't, don't pick on yourself there too much, love. Um, oh well, I have to say, I don't do the best at posting on a regular basis. I'm sure um, the algorithm is like, uh, she just doesn't even exist. <laughs> That's, that would be your sweet Annalisa. Annalisa makes this all cool because Lord knows I'm like a hashtag. So what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's magical things. Jeez. All right. Well, um, from all of us here at First Bite, we just want to say thank you for joining us to kick off your 2021. Um, and I, we y'all, we love it. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really do read them. We, your kind words and your, um, and your messages, your positive messages, they, they, they lift us up when we're, we're sharing evidence-based practice. So thank you for leaving us a review. Thank you for going and following Control by Onyx. And um, Lane, hold on one second and let me switch this over to questions, okay? Okay. Feeding Matters guides system-wide changes by uniting caregivers, professionals, and community partners under the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Alliance. So what is this alliance? The Alliance is an open access collaborative community focused on achieving strategic goals within three focus areas, education, advocacy, and research. 
So who is the Alliance? It's you. The Alliance is open to any person passionate about improving care for children with a pediatric feeding disorder. To date, 187 professionals, caregivers, and partners have joined the Alliance. You can join today by visiting the Feeding Matters website at www.feedingmatters.org. Click on PFD Alliance tab and sign up today. Change is possible when we work together. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies. 